Welcome back to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and this is a podcast where we talk about marketing. Today's first question, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I am Marcela Chamorro. You can call me Marcela if that's easier. Um, <laughs> I am head of marketing at Cogsy, which is, and basically we, we do um, it's an operations platform for direct-to-consumer brands. So um, I have been with Cogsy since September, but um, about eight months now. Before that, I have been in marketing since I graduated school. Um, I'm a dual citizen, so I live in Nicaragua, but I've also spent a lot of time in the U.S. Um, and went to college in the Northeast at Boston College. And ever since then, I've been in marketing. Um, right after college, jumped into nonprofit and focused a lot on fundraising and marketing on that side. And um, after after some time there, I decided to get my master's degree also like, kind of specialize in digital marketing. I had been blogging for a while and that led to podcasting, um, eventually started my own business um, that revolved around web design and mobile apps as well. A little bit of design and development with clients in Nicaragua, but also in the U.S. and Africa. Um, so marketing, web design, digital marketing, a lot of that has always been my focus. And then I, I took a few years off um, to be, I have three young boys. So I took a few years off to spend time with them. And in that time, really focused on my personal, like creative pursuits, which is podcasting. I love podcasting and writing, a lot of writing, but I think podcasting is something that I really enjoyed um, exploring in that, in that phase of my kind of career break, if you want to call it that. But, you know, I don't think, I don't really think in terms of career. I think more in terms of like my life's work and stuff. So I don't, I, I think that was a very integral part of that. Um, in that over, like, you know, it's just a blink of an eye in, in the whole, in, uh, in my time here. So, and after that, um, that's when I kind of started working at Cogsy because our CEO and co-founder, A.D. Pinar, he was somebody that I've interviewed on my podcast before. A few times hmm. I interviewed him on both of my podcasts. Um, I think on one of them, I, I interviewed him twice. And he's just been a longtime friend. He's a co-founder of WooCommerce um, back in the day and then um, co-founder of another company. But point is, we stayed friends um, on the blogosphere over the years. And eventually, he, when I started kind of being ready to to take on a full-time job back in marketing. Um, and I didn't want to go the entrepreneurial route this, at this point in my life. Um, he said, you know, why don't you, <clears throat> why don't you come work with me? And that's what I've been doing for the last eight months. And it's been, it's been a ton of fun. I, I podcast for Cogsy. I was just on a webinar this morning. Um, I run the marketing team. So growing the marketing team and focusing on, I think, I try to think that most people can wear three hats. Um, so the hats that I'm currently wearing are product marketing, um, all that has to do with, uh, reporting metrics and, and improving and augmenting that reporting, um, as we grow, cause we are still a pretty young team and, um, the managerial side, <laughs> but also just in general, the, 
the podcast, Cogsy's podcast belongs to me and also like the, the website. So I have successfully handed over content and SEO to an amazing team member and social media and community building to uh, another team member. And mm. uh, so far I'm wearing all the other hats, but um, yeah, that's kind <laughs> of a little bit of background on, on who I am and, and what I'm up to at the moment. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It, your journey, at least from your LinkedIn, is quite interesting in, in the sense of not maybe, you know, these kind of marketing role, marketing role, marketing role, marketing role uh, kind of people. You you have marketing in it, but there's just so many different pathways. I was not confused, but I just was like, wow, how did she it get to where she's at? So, yeah, so I appreciate the the kind of sharing of that and even just the fact of the friendship or the relationship you had that got you to uh, where you're at now. And I preach that so hard that content is, has many, many benefits. And one of those benefits is creating relationships. It's a uh, hidden reason I do this podcast is to connect with people, mm -hmm. not having to say, hey, can I pick your brain rather than, hey, can I interview you where I'm going to pick your brain? It's just uh, it's just the way you say it. But yeah, that's that's really cool. And kind of the for me, just makes me even want to go deeper in content, whether that's articles or uh, like newsletters or podcasting because of that ability to connect like-minded or diverse-minded individuals. Yeah, I think um, I went through that a similar process that you're describing in 2015 when I started uh, my first podcast and I got to interview some really cool people. Uh, James Clear of Atomic Habits. Um the co-founders behind Best Self Journal. Have you ever heard about the Self Journal? Um, my, no, I have not. I, I, I love when I like run into it at Barnes and Noble or, or Target, and I'm like, I interviewed them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and some really other cool entrepreneurs and, and makers uh, of all kinds. And I think that you just never know what that's going to end up in later. But I never did it with that um, trying to get somewhere specific with those people. It's just. Hmm. Um, like you said, pick their brain and, and, and get to know them a little bit. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a selfish person. So I definitely have the pursuit of, uh, getting, not getting something. Cause hopefully, you know, I can bring something to them, but just expanding my network mm -hmm. as being in Wisconsin. Um, you just don't have that many marketing people that are on the quote unquote front end of it, you know, really believe, you know, paving the path. So that's a reason I enjoy to do it. Um, so what, now you talked a lot about some things that you've kind of enjoyed podcasting, a lot of, you know, that, but right now, like, what are you obsessed with? Is it still podcasting? Is it that, or is there something else within marketing, within business that you're just obsessed with? You can't stop, st stop talking about it. It's something you think about routinely and you just either want to do it or you want to just keep digging deeper into it. Does anything come to your mind? Yeah. Um, I think of, on the, on the podcasting side, I will say that I love having conversations um, like this morning on the webinar that I, um, moderated, I think what's in interesting to me is not bring, not to bring like experts to the table and kind of talk down to people, but to have, to share conversations where people can share their experiences so that we all don't make the same mistakes. Like we all don't have to learn the hard way. Um, I really enjoy that, that piece of my job and being able to podcast and, um, when I hear people say like you're the Cogsy podcast is my go-to DTC podcast. It's a, it's a very niche, um, podcast, but I really like that. And I'm like, somebody's getting 
some kind of actionable insight from, from what, um, from the conversation I'm having is not for me. Like I'm not the expert. Um, but I'm just trying to shine a light on certain stories. I really enjoy being part of that. And on the business side or the marketing side, um, I still really love web design. Um, hmm. especially because, well, Cogsy SAS. So in SAS, you know, like it's your digital storefront and, the website needs to be as clear and concise as possible in terms of communicating um, our ICPs or our ideal customer profiles, their pain points and how we can solve them and our like hard facts, evidence-based facts on what we have, what are we delivering to other customers? And that's kind of a project that I'm working on. Like I'm continuously working on it, but, um, if you were to go to the Cogsy website right now, you would see something that I launched in October. I joined the team September 1st and for five weeks later, I launched this website so that I could start driving traffic to it. Cause what was there before I didn't feel mm. comfortable driving traffic to it. Um, and so now it's time for a revamp. We have like a beautiful product now um, compared to eight months ago that I can highlight and we have more data points. We have, um, more customer interviews. We know now, you know, what, what they're looking for and what, and we also have a bunch of new features that didn't exist when I started. So, um, mm. that's kind of something that I really enjoy. I love when I, when I come across a website that is just so slick and so good at communicating what they do. Um, that is something that I don't think I'll ever get over. And mm -hmm. you, you mentioned in the kind of introduction, just that the web designer, you, you did that mm -hmm. yourself or kind of as an entrepreneur. So like, it seems that that's been something for a while that you've enjoyed or has brought you joy. And that's why you still enjoy to do it. But like with all the things someone can focus on, especially as a new hire into a company, mm -hmm. you know, they're just sales collateral. There's just so many PowerPoints, uh, mm -hmm. slide decks, all these things you can touch to improve. Why did you pick not maybe the first, but early on, one of the, the first things you did, as you just explained was to update the website. Why was that other than that you enjoy web design or websites? Like why was that a decision you made or was it just, they needed it, they needed one, they needed updated and it was the logical next thing to do as I joined or was there a reason you did that specifically early on? Yeah. Um, no, they didn't need one. They had one, they had a website and they didn't ask me to update it. I chose it as like, this is what I'm going to do now because I knew that looking two, three, four months in advance or, or even just like 12 months down the road, content was going to be something that we were going to focus on or that I wanted to focus on. And that content needs to live in a place that, well, it's an easily, e easy to read blog post or easy to find podcast episode or a white paper or whatever. But, um, that piece of content also needs to live on a place where it is easy to convert the, um, the visitor into either a subscriber or a customer. And the website that they had was not the place where we could do that. Um, hmm. it was not clear who we were, what we did. Um, at the time we do, I think different things now we, we, the, the product has changed a lot, as I mentioned, but I just felt like it was not going to help us in our business goals. 
So it existed, but in order to convert, um, I didn't feel comfortable driving traffic or spending a bunch of time and money and creating this content to then put it in a place where it wasn't going to um, perform for us. Mm. Um, so I optimized that first and then started writing articles myself and then started launched the podcast myself. Um, the first few episodes I had our, our co-founder, uh, CEO on it with us, with me. And then I've kind of just gone on and, and ran the pod podcast myself after that and brought on, um, a content writer in December. So that was a few months, four months after I joined and in Jan. I believe in February, we started working with our SEO agency and really, really um, doubling down on our content goals, on our content production, um, our output, and just thinking towards the long run so that in Q4 of this year, that content is really paying off. It's already starting to pay off, um, but I know that content and SEO is a long game. And so we wanted to start that early. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You build, you know, if you're going to be sending people to the house, you want to ensure that that house was built with good, good, you know, directions so people can find the bathrooms or get to the party or whatever yeah. uh, that is. So that makes a lot of sense. And I've read um, in, in not a lot of marketing books, but in a few that are very much more orientated towards like, just like people trying to understand marketing that don't have a ton of experience. Websites usually one of those things that they suggest to master. It's just one of those things that just makes sense to have a good website. But that's where for me I start to struggle because you know you kind of mentioned as you see in, you see a slick website and you know I, I agree right I'll see a super cool one and I'm like oh that's awesome a lot of code behind that or whatever but I don't think good website is synonymous with slick mm -hmm. websites. I mean, obviously slick websites can be good websites, but there's probably some slick websites that are bad websites for X, Y, and Z yeah. reasons. So when you think about websites, what are, I've heard a few things, so maybe I'll just throw some, but having you know a clear kind of explanation of who you are, what do you do, who do you serve, some of those kind of key points, but what else do you see that's critical to a website that maybe not everybody sees or not everybody's doing, or maybe everybody is doing it, but like, what, what do you think about when you think of good websites or great websites? What comes to mind? I think that the conversion is what's going to, um, speak over the aesthetics, right? Um, I think a good website is one in which the visitor ends up doing what you want them to do. Um, and sometimes they're slick, sometimes they're not. I think when I say slick, I mean that clarity in terms of um, mm, okay. who you are, what you do, and also that branding um, to not just give you like a utilitarian view of what needs to be done, but also presents that vibe of what your brand is. Um, cause a brand is a vibe basically at the end of the day. And you can, you can present that vibe in many different ways. Like even, you know, if you're a DTC brand, um, then it's your, it could be your packaging. Even if you're an author, then it's the, hmm. your book cover or whatever. Um, yeah. lots of different yeah. ways that you could present that, that vibe and that brand. Um, and I, I really like and appreciate when 
the branding comes through in a way that is helpful. Um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, the conversion rate is what will tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Hmm. I like that. It just goes straight to, you know, the argument for most marketing is revenue. You know, is marketing good? Is it not? Well, is it driving revenue? Maybe it's not revenue, Um, which is similar to a website. Well, I mean, conversion mm -hmm. in the sense of you're getting newsletter signups, which because one thing that you said is that it helps the the person visitor do what you want them to do. I would pose an argument that it helps the user do what they want to do on your website. Um, and maybe that's kind of what you meant, but it just the came out in a sense. Because I would argue every, yeah, there we go. Because I think everybody is like, at least from like C up, like their point, C suite up, they're like, yeah, we want, you know, business from it rather than kind of marketers are thinking more strategical. We want to educate. We want to, there's so many different ways. And I think even to the point of like understanding where the website plays in Kind of like, let's say you're a consulting agency who kind of really does 50,000 or, you know, more kind of engagements. You don't need a ton of those if it's a smaller organization to keep it afloat in that sense. So like, is a website to get tons of conversions, aka just get people to sign up? Or is it to educate them? Is it to quote unquote, make sales easier as so many people argue the point of marketing is? And I think understanding how it plays in your marketing is important to understand like what is the role of it and then how do we optimize to your wording the website to fit in that goal and most times it will be to collect email addresses get conversions in some form obviously with hopefully an end goal of purchase or some sort of and i think that you know how you get those visitors matters a lot so search intent like if we're talking about seo um is there a match between the search intent and what you provide, right? And uh, on your website, if you are talking about like paid ad spend, which admittedly is not my forte, like I, I'm not, not necessarily a fan um, of of pumping money into um, Facebook. Or I'm sure it has its place. It's it's hasn't been. It hasn't had a place at the places where I have worked. So it's not my thing. Um, mm-hmm. But. But I will say that like if you so if you're doing if you're running an ad campaign and your segmenting is way off, then your conversion rate is going to tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I think where the person is coming from and how they found you is just as important because if they're they might not find what they need on your site at all, um, might just not be a good fit. So that that's something that I think I think about a lot from a SaaS perspective, but there's so many other types of businesses, right. That are not SaaS. Um, so I, I mean, even just in my personal blogging, my main goal with my websites is, is clarity. It's not being slick, you know, it's just, um, allowing readers to find either a podcast episode or an article that I've written easily and, um, help them, enjoy it in the sense of like their reading experience be very clean and um yeah so i think it it just it as everything it depends (laughs) yeah that's a marketing answer for every question um but to back your point your website is pretty nice uh i would say it's into your point i think slick is clarity um i think we're using maybe i when i say slick i think like that dude or gal Mm -hmm. is slick which would mean mostly their appearance rather than any sort of like 
how they articulate themselves or anything like that, which I think would be like, if your website's a person, that clarity comes out in the articulation of like, who are you? Oh, I'm cognizant. Like this yeah. is what we do, you know? So uh, it, it didn't, we'll stop uh, turning websites into people. That's a weird, uh, weird thing. But, uh, so to, to take us a few steps back as, as I love jumping in and kind of seeing what the guests are obsessed with, but I always ask this question, which is pretty much the crux of this podcast. How do you define marketing? What is the job that marketing should get done in a company? Like obviously finance isn't simple, but there's some kind of definitions, keep the books, optimize our, like, but for marketing, if someone asks you on the street, Marcella, what is marketing? Like, how do you define it? What is your one to two to three sentence definition for generate demand? I think um, if I were to think of it from like the Cogsy perspective, (laughs) um, if I were to zoom out a little, I think it's communicate who you are. Just share the essence of who you are. And when it's a fit, it'll be a fit. And if it's not a fit, then that's okay too. Um, so on the Cogsy side, like my current gig, um, generating demand for the, for the platform means sharing what we do, sharing, just sharing who we are. Um, my job is to get eyeballs on the product, right? Um, we have a team of engineers working really hard and my job is to get eyeballs on their work. Um, and to do that, I have to tell the story of who, what, what they have built, but not the granular details. It's, it's, it's more the overarching story of who we are and who we can help. Um, and if I think about it on my, like my blogging and podcasting and my personal creative pursuits, it's the same thing. Like I'm talking about, and I'm terrible at marketing myself terrible. Um, it's, it's a lot harder for me to promote, uh, what I write and what I do on the podcasting side when it's like, it's different when I do it for Coxie. I'm like, I have no problem being like, listen to my interview with whoever. Um, but when it's just me (laughs) talking on the mic, it's, it's tough. Um, but I still would define that, that what I do for marketing on that side is just telling the story of who I am and what value I can bring and, and what I can share. Does that make sense? Or is that like too... I like the generate... General. <laughs> there is, as I'm doing this, I'm starting to realize that there is no definition for marketing. It's it's very personal, as weird as that is. I think people um, really kind of have these definitions that drive from their experience and from what they heard. So I definitely, you know, I shake my head, yes, when you say generate demand. I definitely think, you know, that whole switch from lead generation to demand generation, I'm all on board for that. I've sold the house and moved the kids there. Uh, but, you know, there's... There's, there's some bits of the marketing definition that you're talking about that I'm thinking, you know, getting eyeballs on stuff. I agree, right? That's awareness. I think we can, you know, probably put that in somewhat of this awareness category. If they're not aware of the product, the company, they can't buy the product. They can't buy from the company. So it's simple. I sometimes, and not, not at all an original thought, it's from Jay Akunzo, who does this uh, kind of marketing showrunners, and he's really big into podcasting, has helped me a lot structure my podcast. But anyway, he talks a lot about resonance over reach, that we should be going for a depth with customers or depth with people rather than this. This is a desire for always reach. We need to get more eyeballs on our stuff. We need to get more people to know about us rather than saying, well, how can we go deeper 
with the 10 that do. It's the Seth Godin. It's the smallest viable audience. What do you think when you hear that, when I pose a quote unquote rebuttal, I'm not arguing you, but when you hear that rebuttal, how do you, how do you defend your original statement that reaches the, the core mission of, of marketing? Or do you think that resonance has a place to, or do you think that falls on customer success on other kind of people around marketing and marketing just, Hey, get them in the door and we'll handle the rest. Just get the awareness and capturing and doing some of the things that obviously have to happen past it are not marketing's job. It's not what it's for. Well, coming from an entrepreneurial background, I don't really believe in, um, having jobs in silos. Um, I think like we're a team and it's everybody's job to help each other. And like, Right before this call, I was on a a, a call with our uh, head of growth and our growth team on helping them to refine our sales story. Um, I'm not a salesperson, but there might be something around my storytelling abilities that can help to, um, you know, to refine what maybe the order of how they're saying things or how they're packaging ideas and things like that. So I don't really believe in this. That's not my job. Um, in terms of helping the company. And it's, I think it's, we have an owner's mindset. So, uh, I don't have a marketer's mindset in that, in that regard. Um, when you say, I, I think all of what you said falls under generate demand. Um, going for more eyeballs, but going deep with 10, um, doing whatever it takes to generate that demand. So if it's 10 and then going deep, then, um, and that applies here as well. Um, I think, and so I agree with you hundred percent. I think if, if we could have, um, I think at the end of the day, as long as you're serving your customers well, um, the reach will grow. And so hmm. the resonance will affect the reach in the long run. Maybe I, I am not very like tied to definitions. You know what I mean? Uh, I think things depend a lot on circumstance, but in general, I think both are important with resonance being more important. Hmm. I like that. So I'm upset that you didn't want to argue. That's the whole point of this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but so to your last point, that's very interesting. I fixate so hard on definitions. I'm a, I am wouldn't say a Christian, I'm a follower of the way of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And one thing I find fascinating is the words they use in the Bible are not the words we use today. So hell, for an example, is never used as hell in the Greek translation or the Hebrew. So for me, words are extraneously important because the words we use define the world we live in. So when I say, because the reason I, the reason I asked it, but not really, but as you're talking about, you know, I, I do all kinds of jobs, which makes total sense. You know, the whole mindset that that's not my job is bad, negative. Don't do that. Say yes to everything. But I do think like nobody walks around and says like, yeah, I can manage the books. Like everybody just is walking around being like, I can do finance, like give me the sheet and I can do it, but I can guarantee most people. And I, you know, come into nonprofits and churches or all these different places and everybody thinks they can market. Mm -hmm. Everybody's a marketer in that sense. And that's why if, if you can get more clear on the definition, you can get more clear of like, yeah, you know how to count, but you can't do 
what I do in, with math in the finance department or whatever that is, where it's like, okay, I know how to write, yeah. but I'm not that good at structuring blog posts to have some sort of compelling whatever it is that you would learn in marketing. So I think that's it's interesting that you think, you know, your kind of point on definitions is they're not super important. Is that just because we, we, we can make them up or like, why do you, why do I have a crazy obsession with definitions? And you, you kind of seem like they don't, they don't mean as much. And obviously I'm 26, so I'm still learning a ton of stuff out life. It may be definitions don't matter, but I'm interested why you have a counter uh, thought or a counter opinion to the, yeah, I, I tend the importance to think that of definitions. people have the, a lot of people think that they can, um, do marketing or be a marketer because I think humans are storytellers um, and there's so much storytelling in marketing. And that's something that I think is innate. Not everybody is a great storyteller, but like um, I think that's probably why it has to do with it. We don't grow up with other than counting. Um, I don't even think like, I think you have to kind of learn to count <laughs> that. I don't think that's something that, <laughs> that comes innate in our Natural, uh, yeah. operating yeah. system. But um <laughs> I feel you on that. And, and I, and I do think that there is a difference between like marketing 101 and marketing, you know, post-grad doctoral, um, <laughs> and, and nobody can like very few people when you walk into a church or, um, a nonprofit or whatever can do that. They could do marketing 101, which is going to get them certain results. Um, but I, I get you, I have run into that, um, in terms of definitions, I guess, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 35, so I'm not that much older, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got, you got a few, yeah. life, no, half a life. Um, I think things aren't, at least to me or in my experience, black or white. Um, and I definitely try to approach things with, um, an, a learner's mindset and not an expert mindset. So I'm open. Um, to learning new things. I've definitely learned a lot in my time at Cogsy. Just like I learned a lot running my own business. I still have PTSD from that and I will not be doing that again anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but I think all of kind of summarizing, I see some wiggle room. You know what I mean? Like um, there's no right and wrong there are a few things that are right and wrong, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in terms of marketing, there are sometimes unexpected surprises. And so you never know what you don't know. Do you know what I mean? I guess I'm just mm. leaving myself open to that yeah. maybe. No, I, I like that. I think a beginner's mindset is something I've learned through my meditation and it just, it does a lot for you. I just think for me, like if someone tried to tell me the chair wasn't a chair, I'm not sure if I would be like, I have a beginner's mindset. I'm open to change it. That's a, <laughs> but I, I get that me, I sometimes grab those like way too clear examples, just as you were saying that um, I was like, but totally makes sense that like marketing is a fluid rather than possibly a static thing. And it's always kind of changing, but I would argue that there's, there's certain things that people said in 1960, whether ad writers or copywriters that still holds true, right yeah. message, right medium, right? Like that for me still holds true. And I think we can co complicate it too much. And that's the premise or the ethos for this podcast is every, like, what is marketing? Like, like that's such a easy word to say, but such a complex word to back up and say, what really is it? And what is contained in a chair per se is quite simple. It has three, two, four legs. Um, but like marketing, it starts to like 
get far from it of like, is it resonance overreach and all these conversations that you could argue are pointless, but I find some value in them. So that's why, that's why this podcast exists to kind of dive deeper into those, um, into that one definition, I should say. Yeah. I think a question that I ask myself a lot is like, what moves the needle? And something that I ask my team a lot is if I'm adding something to your plate, what are we taking off your plate? Because, um, and we have like a recurring question on base camp, which is what, what should we stop doing? Um, I'm consistent, like constantly trying to iterate on what we do based on what works. So um, if ads don't work for us, we're not going to do them just because everybody's doing them. If um, webinars don't work for us, we're not going to do them. If, you know what I mean? Like w we don't need to follow the playbook that everybody else is following. We need to do what works for us. Um, and that involves a lot of experimentation, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm down for it. I'm mm -hmm. here for it. So I just want to make sure that we're constantly paying attention to what worked and what didn't. Um, and let's adjust and let's adapt and let's reorganize our hats. Um, like I said, mm. and to optimize for those results, not like, and there is something to be said for the team's enjoyment. Like it's not just like what drives the revenue. Um, if you really dislike, editing a freelance, uh, freelance writers submissions, then let's find somebody else to do that because I don't need to, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need anybody to burn out. Um, and we are mm -hmm. at my current gig, a very people first life first company. And so that's, we take that into consideration, not just the revenue and the conversion rate and stuff like that. So there is, a, like I said, a lot of wiggle room for me and very fluid. Um, and I, try to be iterating constantly. Um, we do OKRs, which is once a quarter, you know what I mean? We, we set OKRs consistently. We are tracking them. And at the end of the, the quarter, we share what worked. So the objectives and key results, um, and they are not performance-based. They are not, you know, your, your compensation is not tied to them at all. They're just meant to help us focus our efforts. So that is our plan. Yes, things do change from time to time, um, but you can always go back to your OKRs and be like, this is what I said I was gonna accomplish. Um, if something is competing with my time, like how important is it and should I do it or not? Mm -hmm. So um, we try, I try and on my team to stay as flexible as possible and as, um, and have that beginner's mindset and learner's mindset just to make sure that I'm constantly absorbing and, and adapting. Hmm. That's some good stuff there. There's a lot of nuggets in there. I think that question is very pertinent. Just asking, what should we stop? I think naturally as humans, um, if I need to get skinnier, I think instantly of things I'm going to add on to my life, not realizing that actually the best way would be to subtract that donut I get every morning on my way to work. And I think marketing is the same way, focus, prioritization. It's never talked about in marketing, but it is the key. I believe the key sickness in a marketing team is lack of focus. We're doing 17 different things rather than using core strategy principles from Richard Rumelt and his good strategy, bad strategy of like, strategy is more about doing, not doing things. Like it's not about listing what you're going to do. I want for your strategy, I want to see what you're not going to do. We're not going to do this because it doesn't fit our experience, the vibe we want to convey to our customer. We're not going to do this. And I think 
you know, too many times there isn't a strategy or there's a strategy, but in the sense of uh, some of these great thinkers on strategy, they would, you know, kick that to the curb as not really a strategy. It's just a bunch of actions and things we're going to do rather than really having a diagnosis of what challenges do we have to overcome and creating guardrails, coherent actions, all those things to get over it. So I'm glad you brought that up. And whether you use it, OKRs, Basecamp, Asana, any tool to ensure that there's, you know, at least some sort of prioritization focus, I think is so important because uh, marketing, there's just so many things. There's never like an end to the things you can do for marketing. You can write one more article. You can write one, do one more podcast. It's like, you got to kind of have that ability to have focus in the role to do well as at least an individual contributor, but especially as a manager to help people prioritize and focus. So I'm glad you brought that kind of into the conversation that it's so important to have, you know, taking things off or just to your point, be flexible. Don't be so rigid that we have to do ads, even if they're not working or we have to do content, even if it's reflection. not drawing uh, any reflection is so important. Yep. And if, <laughs> yeah. And I think what, what I find is that there's very few optimistic contrarians. And this is a word that Naval Ravikant, um, this VC person wrote, uh, I think on like Twitter, but I bought a book with all of his like tweets in it. And he, he talks about this optimistic contrarian where you don't look at what others are doing and you work from the basics. And that's like this whole goal of the podcast also is like definitions, I would argue are the most basic preliminary thing for anything. It's like, what is love? It's like to first get better at love, you have to define that it's selfless. It's X, Y, and Z before. So I think not many marketers really build from the basics. They kind of grab, hey, I saw, you know, Refine Labs is doing TikTok. I'm going to do it. And it's like, you're not building any sort of real thinking, whether it's first order, second order of like why we're doing it rather than like you said, we're using their playbook, which is um, at best an average uh, move and at worst a horrific and just won't, you won't get the results because you're not them or you're not in that industry or whatever yeah. that is. So that's a, healthy point. So you talked a little bit about something you disagreed with marketers on in the start. It was kind of around that paid is, but I'm going to ask you a question around something so you can use that answer, but like, what is the main or one thing you disagree with other marketers on? So, you know, everybody's saying kind of do tons of content where I believe, you know, you should only do one a week and it should be super high quality or one a month. And it should be like, what is something you disagree with quote unquote mainstream marketers on that you believe uh, deeply in? I'd rather do, I'd rather go long on content than short on, on ads. Um, I'm, I'm more, if I have the space to, in terms of funding or runway, then I'd rather, um, go long on content and educate. I, I, I mean, I'm basing it on my current gig, right? Um, <laughs> and also overworking my team. I will not do it. I think marketers are, there's, there's a, there's a trend and it's been a trend for a while to kind of ignore the team wellness and focus on more output. Um, and again, that reflection is important there to, to reflect on what's working and what's not and do what works. Um, so I, I disagree with most marketers on that side, on that side. Um, I, when you mean long and short, like short term, yeah. long term, like going long is like, we're playing the long game. Okay. Okay. Just mm -hmm. to orientate myself. Um, Cause I'm like, why are you doing long content? No, like, no, no. You just do the right length of it. Um, or, no. We, we, we <laughs> focus on, you know, being consistent. We write one blog post a week and one podcast episode a week. 
Um, we every once in a while have guest posts. So like today we had a guest post going up on a on a big website, Omnisend, and another one on Kimonix or whatever. Um, different niche mm. websites um in our industry. But in general, one article a week. And um we will ramp that up as we build out SEO like hub and spokes. So we will have Whoa. a hub on let's say something that is one of our core topics which is back ordering which is specific to our industry and e-commerce and then within that hub we will have just imagine it like an ebook you know like chapter 1 through 20 or whatever and each of those chapters is an article mm-hmm. um that will not be that will not live on our blog that will live on our back ordering like ultimate guide um which is a hope hub and spoke so for um hmm. seo purposes we will have more content but it will be packaged as like a very deep dive into a a, a core topic that is pertinent to our product that make sense mm-hmm. yeah definitely i am a big fan of the hubspoke model sometimes it breaks when you're uh, i use this analogy it's quite uh quite literal and kind of disgusting, but like, let's say I didn't know I'm an alien. I don't know how to use a restroom, preferably a Mm -hmm. number two, you know, this company comes out with it. It says, Hey, we're releasing a four part series on how to take a shit. You know, part one is find the Mm -hmm. bathroom for me. I'm like, I have to take a shit and like, I need more, like I need part two, three, four right now. Like I can't wait. So I think with the the hub and spoke model in the sense that you use it to this, create this larger ebook, as I've done in my past, you get that hard push and pull of like having each chapter or each spoke be sufficient, but also have it be building towards this bigger one where they can, they can get done whatever they want in that one article but they, they're going to want to come back for more where a lot of times, at least how I've done it sometimes is you, you tease them in the sense of you don't like for the job I want to get done, AK, take a shit. I need to read all four mm-hmm. of them rather than like having one that's all about how to take a shit. Then there's one on like the best toilet paper to buy. And then there's one on like how to build your bathroom for efficient, you know, smell for so shit. Like, like parts. all of it where you can. St- yeah, but you can still my thing is like after I read it, I can go do something or I'm closer to doing something that I don't. Like, cause a lot of this stuff is like how to build a website, seven parts. It's like, unless each part is sufficient in that it's like how to build your homepage so you can do it after doing it. It's like, nobody's going to come back for all seven of them. And the goal obviously is to have one ebook where you put them all together. So I guess the end justifies the means in that sense. But I just feel it's that balance of like having a sufficient article as chapter mm-hmm. one, but also realizing like most chapter ones are throwaways and they're useless. So like, how do we make it useful that like it's, it's value added by reading it rather than like, Oh, I'll come back next week. Maybe I'm just someone who doesn't enjoy to come Mm -hmm. back, but that's something I struggle with is creating these drawn out content things, but having each one be sufficient in that it's like, Oh, I learned something new or, Oh, I don't need to come back. I can already leave and I'm better off without it rather than sometimes it's like, you have to devour all six parts, all five things and actually do build the house, whatever the objective is. Maybe that's just a, very personal issue that I've had with the types of content I've wrote in the past where maybe other people don't run into that challenge where they're fine reading parts or it just works well to have sufficient content in each part that leads to the entire, um, how to, you know, using my analogy, how to take a shit like that, I think would just be better and release it one time. Like, don't break that up. Like just one ebook of how to do it. So people can actually get done what they came to do rather than like a seven step process that, 
it's like, okay, I did step one, but within, without the seven, six others, it's useless, quote mm-hmm. unquote, in that sense. Well, they're, they're incredibly useful for SEO purposes, right? Um, my, <laughs> my plan is to gate them as a PDF with um, non-SEO content thrown in. So um, kind of grab that backordering guide, for example, and turn it into a PDF, add content to it um, that wouldn't fit on the hub and spoke model, right? That for SEO content. So augment it and then gate it. Um, but as you were, so talking, talking about parts, um, I once wrote, um, an email sequence. I threw it up on convert kit and I put it on product hunt and I got like 4,000 people to download it. It was called mindfulness for makers. And it was like 13 emails and, it, each part was sufficient. Each part I would get replies be like, that was good. Like, I, I really like this one. Um, but nice. sometimes, sometimes that like small, like that, that sequence where you need to wait for the next one can give people time to really let things sink in. But that doesn't really apply to back ordering. <laughs> um, that's a more, more like <laughs> for mindfulness yeah, yeah, yeah. or. Anyway, just thought I'd change in your life. I would say, no, that's good. That definitely, yeah. I mean, to change your life, it's not a one decision uh, to get you there. So anything that's much harder of like how to make writing a habit. And I think too, to, to, to kind of the reason that works is like people are opting in for your email series. Like I did a 30 for 30, like writing one. Um, I opened probably like five of them in total, but like I opted into it. So I expected it rather than like just seeing on LinkedIn a post about how to write good emails. And I realized it's like part one picket ESP. And I'm like, I already have that. Like, I don't need to figure out if I'm going through MailChimp or whatever. I want to know how to write good emails. So I think it's all too like how you create the expectation for the reader of like, hey, we're going to break this up. And each time we'll come back another Sorry, week or whatever. Checking my phone. Making just sure not my, giving my, them. My child is getting picked up at school. So when you see me like looking down. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, we, we do this live. I've gotten a few calls on the show before. So I love just random things happening, people knocking on doors. But uh, no, I like that a lot. So I think this is a good point to jump into our final three questions. Two will be on marketing, kind of on all the stuff we've been talking about. One, it'll be a little bit outside of it. So the first question what is one thing you've changed your mind on in regards to marketing and business in the past one, two, three, four years? So I believed X and now I believe Y. And you might have talked about it, so don't you know feel shy to bring something back into this point. But does anything come to your mind that you either stopped believing or maybe you believe even more wholeheartedly now than a year ago, yeah, two years um, ago? I believed that people higher up... Um, had it all together, you know, like people that you admire, people that you see on the interwebs and, and all this stuff and, and business leaders that you admire. Um, you think they have it all together and that you're way behind and no, they don't like, you're just, you're, you could totally, I'm not saying you could do their job. There, there's a reason they're, they're there, but you're not far behind. Um, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a limiting belief. Um, that I think a lot of people have, but once you get to a certain point and you're like, I didn't think I could do this, but nobody else can do this and I can do it better. You know what I mean? Like uh, you realize just how good you are mm. at what you do. But a lot of the times I think where we sit, um, 
you think that you are behind. You know what I mean? In terms of skill, mm -hmm. in terms of ability, and yeah, nah, you got this. <laughs> well, I felt you were speaking directly to me, but no, that's a good one. And I think even just on the first part of what you were saying, I think it's so true that we, um, whether it's a you know celebrity or even just your CEO in your company, we put them on such a high mm -hmm. standard that uh, we um, we forget that they're human, valuable like us. And for me, that's helpful when uh, my my life goes off track or I feel like, you know, quote unquote shit, I can be helpful. It, it's helpful to remind myself that like they don't have their lives going on. And actually with power, money and a lot of that other stuff, uh, more temptations to turn your life uh, upside down come into it. So to be honest, I think sometimes it's, it's better to be where I'm at in the sense, but I think it's so important to get out of that limiting belief because in a sense we make decisions off that, like, I'm not going to try for that job. I'm in, I'm insufficient to do that rather than realizing like, Hey, I, to your point, I have that I'm, you know, early, but like I'm getting there and I'm just as good, which is, uh, which is definitely a good thing to believe and to like fully believe that then your actions kind of stem from it or your yeah, mindset. Sure. That's good. That's good. So this next one is from a movie. There's this movie called Inception. It's all about people going in each other's dreams and like incepting ideas. So they believe their idea is their own and they think it was their idea. So if I could give you the ability to incept one idea in the mind of every marketer on this planet that does what you do, that does marketing, what idea are you going to incept that they wake up tomorrow? They think it's their idea and they do everything out of that idea, their actions, their conversations and mindset. What is that idea or belief you'll incept? Put yourself in the shoes of your ICP. Like you really need to understand the psychology and the thinking and the needs and the fears of um, your ICP, like whoever it is that you're going after that you're trying to convert in whatever way you really need to understand them. And sometimes understanding like all the marketing tools and the marketing strategies and the marketing, like all of these activities that we could do, they're not as powerful as understanding your ideal customer. I think, um, hmm. Really, really sitting down and and think, putting yourself in their shoes and being like, well, how would I feel if I opened this email? Well, if I got that email in my inbox, would I open it? Like when you're thinking about subject lines and like all these things, and like all these things that marketers do. Um, if you don't put yourself in those shoes, you don't know what's going to work. You know what I mean? I think that's hmm. that would be it. Yeah. And if I could accept an idea into everybody's brain, it would be to go to therapy. Because I think everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. We, we'd have a good world if everybody was attending therapy. We'd even have we'd have a good world as well if everybody had a empathetic mindset to their approach to marketing. And I think you can't be empathetic at work and then get home and you're just an asshole. Like usually, if you're an empathetic person, you're empathetic at home, which uh, your spouse or children will thank you for for caring about them and trying to understand how they feel. And I think. For me, there's this huge illusion or paradox that I just don't get how marketers who get marketed to every day forget what it feels like to get marketed to. So we make these just decisions that are so erroneous in kind of retrospect, but it's like, 
if you really put yourself in their shoes, like you wouldn't have sent them three emails in three days. Like you would have broke that up or there's so many things. And I read all these stories, whether it's of Nazi Germany or of some of these churches where they do things to people. Like, for example, this like pastor did things to like these women. It's like, I know if it was like your daughter, you would like just get so upset if like, and I, and I just, it's so amazing to me how quickly we can lose that empathetic uh, muscle in the sense where we'll do things or say things or that it's just like, man, if you really took the time or, uh, yeah. So I think that's so key, but it's such like a obscured thing. It's not like, you know, become fit or certain things like be more empathetic. It's like, okay, where do I start? So I think uh, that's in myself. I'm going to think about that after this podcast of how can I be more empathetic? Because even if you're empathetic, you can always be an inch or two more. That, that's a good one. I like that. I haven't heard it in the way you put it. So thank you uh, for incepting that as we've incepted a lot of ideas so far in these 20 some episodes on the podcast. All right, final question. And I'll let you go as I can't stop talking. What is one thing outside of business or marketing that you do that then allows you to come back to business and marketing and do it better? So an example for me is every day at some point around lunch, after lunch, I go for a 30 minute walk, whether with headphones or not. And then at the point I come back, I can do marketing. I can write better because I kind of unplugged for 30 minutes. What is that thing you do that allows you to do marketing and business better? That isn't marketing and business. Spend time with my kids. I think I'm not the kind of person that can sit in front of a computer from nine to five. Um, I work, Cogsy is a very flexible um, team. Like we work on, everybody's trusted to be an expert at what they do and to do it on their own time. Usually there's some overlap, but we have very few meetings, mostly asynchronous. And um, what that allows me to do is I can work for an hour and a half and like really get a lot of things done and then spend an hour with my two-year-old and then come back and be really energized to get to do another hour and then really get a lot of things done. So for me, it's not really how long my butt is in the chair, but usually I will have very productive days where um, I'm not just messing around on the internet, you know, because that time is spent with my family and we might be laughing, we might be watching Elmo or whatever, but then when I get back to my computer, I want to be there. Um, hmm. So that is something that, that helps me. I also like, I'm not mentioning, like I exercise, I have a Versa climber. You know what a Versa climber is? They're like, right. I have it right. No, it's, um, it's imagine like a Stairmaster, but it doesn't move. You move it and it has the hmm. arms. So you're moving the legs and your arms oh. at the same time. So you move the kind of like the track. It's, um, very, wow. very intense. Um, LeBron James <laughs> said if imagine. he were to move to a, um, a deserted island versus the climbers, the one thing he would take. So I was like, huh, really? Let me look up this versus climber. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I exercise and I meditate and I read um, spiritual books. That's kind of where God finds me. Um, but I think throughout, like, how it affects my business and marketing role, I would say, like, breaks throughout the day to spend time with my kids for sure. Hmm. That's good. And that's just a lesson of focusing on what matters in life as much as our work is so important. And I'm a VP of marketing, whatever. It's like, eh, I think mother, father is probably a bigger role than you'll ever have. You only uh, have one life. Job. So that's <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad you brought that in. All right. This is the segment where I like to open the floor for you to share, kind of link anything that you're doing at your work, any of your podcasts, your newsletter, anything that you want to plug to the three to four listeners that are still with us right now. 
feel free to do that. And anything you say here will be used against you in the court of law. We'll be put in the podcast links in the bottom of the show notes so you can find anything Marcella uh, mentions here. So the floor yeah, is Yeah, I think if, if um, anybody wants to listen to my, uh, my podcasts, they're over at marcella.co. So my name is M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A. I forgot how to spell my name. .co. <laughs> and um, I've got two podcasts, the Kin podcast, which focuses more on family and spirituality, um, talk a lot about therapy and the benefits of that. And then the process uh, podcast where I talk to entrepreneurs about the ups and downs of the creative journey. And that's where I interviewed James Clear and uh, a lot of other cool people. But um, yeah, I think that's where you can find me. I'm not very active. I don't have Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm not active on social media. I do have Twitter for work, but you'll see like I have like 40 followers. And um, social media is just not my thing, but I really like to podcast and write. So that's probably the best place you can find me. Awesome. And that will all be in the show notes. So you don't have to try to spell it off for uh <laughs> spelling her name which I, I would have been lost yeah, so i appreciate it well thank you so much marcella for coming on the show this was a lot of fun and i know for sure i learned a lot which is the the main goal here so thank All you right, no thank you for having me let's keep in touch definitely and this is the end of the podcast